This is Back Talk by Successful Black Parenting Magazine, the most listened to podcast for parents by parents. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for listening to Back Talk by Successful Black Parenting Magazine, the podcast talk show for parents. I'm Janice Robinson Celeste, your host and publisher of Successful Black Parenting Magazine. I want to tell you and to tell all of your friends and followers about the show. That's what I'm about to do right now. And I want you to click the links and hit share. If you see that little button down there, it says share. You can do that um, and let people know you are watching us even better. You can click the options actually under. I think they moved it now to the share button and you can watch it uh, as a watch party with all of your friends and that'll call them in. So do that. In addition, you can comment on Facebook and I will post the best comments live on air and know that it can take a little while for your questions to populate in the backstage area. So ask any questions early and do not wait. Know that our hashtag for the show is Backtalk. Today, we're discussing talking to children about race with Brandy J. Flynn. Hi, Brandy. Hi, how are you today? I'm good. Now, Brandy is a mental health counselor, an entrepreneur, author, and educator. Now, talking about race and family can be complex, she says, exhausting and even scary. She knows that parenting Black boys and girls requires a much larger conversation about society and the world that can um, be difficult for some parents. Those conversations can come with a huge amount of mental and emotional stress. And Brandy is equipped to make those conversations easier for both the parents and the children. Now, with the protests that have been happening, this topic has become a hot topic as it's opened up a dialogue about racism with many who don't ever think about it usually white people. But um, so Brandy, besides what I read in your bio, please tell us about yourself. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for uh, for this great opportunity uh, to be on your show. I think that this platform you have is very needed. Um, like you stated, I am an educator. I've taught uh, higher ed at a college for close to 10 years. I've been in the mental health field for about 15, where I have worked with children in the foster care foster care system, adoption, and now work with adults, uh, work with those in the entertainment industry, uh, athletes, and just everyday life people. I am edu- uh, sorry, an author where I just published my first book. Woohoo! <laughs> and um, just continuing just to be an advocate for mental health on all levels of it. Perfect. Now, let me ask you, how can parents break the ice to talk about race with their children? What should they do? You know what? Uh, There's never a perfect time to talk to your kids about about race, but you have to talk to them uh, on the level they can understand. I'm going to give you an example. Uh, A couple years ago, uh, I was at a doctor's office and this uh, little white boy was beside me and he touched my skin and he said, brown. And I looked like, yep. And then his mom looked and she kind of had like a horrific look on her face. <laughs> and then he looked at something else and touched it and named another color. So what he was doing, he was naming his colors. 
And so mm-hmm. I looked at him, I said, well, what colors? is not pointing to his skin. And he said, white and looking at other colors. So to me, I, I don't know what his mom did after that, but I think that would have been a great time to talk about how we are different colors. And I will say growing up, I didn't have the race talk. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of good and kind of bad because I saw color like, okay, I'm brown, you're white, you're beige, whatever like that, because I kind of had like a, a, most, a diverse background of just the schools that I went to. But I think as I got older, then I kind of sensed like, okay, you're, you're judging me because we're different. I think that parents should have it as soon as possible. And I think with the Black Lives Matter movement is going on, I think parents are being forced to talk about it because kids are asking questions. You know, I've seen videos where kids have had a protest in their neighborhoods saying Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. You know, they're walking, they had a, a little black girl in a wagon there and they're like, like she's a queen pulling her like her life matters. We're protecting her. And I think that we just, parents just have to have those just got to have those conversations, even if you break it like in a Sesame Street style, you know, mm-hmm. our Sesame Street or Mr. Rogers neighborhood. And they broke those conversations down, but they broke it down in a way that the kids will understand it. We, we can't be afraid to have these conversations, because if we are afraid to have these conversations, then they're going to be in situations where they don't understand and then it can backfire on them. Well. Yeah, absolutely. And I saw that video with the little girl being pulled down the street yeah. by the white kids. Yeah, that was so cute. I was like, go ahead, little queen. I know. Um, that was awesome for them to support her like that. And um, we did an article not long ago with the American Psychological Association about how children are not colorblind. So that little boy who saw you as brown was seeing colors and he saw nothing wrong with that color. He saw that it is equal to other colors. They learn racism. You don't have it. You don't, you're not born with it. So we shouldn't, you know, make sure you're not teaching your kids racism. That's so important um, as part of the talk uh, for white parents that we'll talk about a little bit later on. So at what point on the historical timeline should they start this conversation because this topic has been like a minimum of a, like a 400 year saga. Like <laughs> where do we start? You know what? Uh, I say we have the conversation as soon as they're, they start talking and they have some form uh, of comprehension, mm. you know, again, in the form that they understand. I mean, we can't, you can't talk to a five-year-old, about Frederick Douglass and Emancipation Proclamation, and it—they're it, not gonna—they're not gonna receive it. But if we say it in a form that they understand, like if we're showing different pictures, like you know, we show a picture of a white boy and a black boy and an Asian boy and a Hispanic boy. And, you know, what's the difference between them? The only difference is the color. They're both human. They both breathe the same air that we breathe we have to start then and there uh but we but we also have to have those uncomfortable conversations that even though we're teaching you this way there are some people who are not getting the same um education uh so to say that no matter what this other person says that you have to understand that everybody 
is the same because a lot, let's be honest, everybody is not having those conversations. Uh, it's hard to have those conversations if the parents don't believe that. Right. You yeah, know, so I think right. that it's not only just the parents, it's, it's the village, it's, it's everybody. We all have to have that conversation. Just like with the, the story that I shared about the little white boy who, who pointed at me and said, Brown, I took that opportunity to like, yeah, and what's this color? What's what's the color of your skin? You know, like, great job. I didn't know the little boy. I, you know, but I took that opportunity to show him that, yes, our skin color is different, but we are still human. Right. Now, that's a perfect teaching opportunity. But like, where do we start far as history is concerned? Do we start about with a conversation about what's happening now? Do we start with slavery? Do we start at uh, Jim Crow, civil rights? Should we start in the future or not, or non future, but in the present and go backwards? Or do we start in the past and go forward? You know what? We probably, since we're in the midst of the, well, we've all been, always been dealing with social injustice and racial injustices, but now that we're actually, there's a, there are situations going on. It, I, I feel that we have to discuss it now and then mm -hmm. possibly go backwards because those are the why questions. Well, why is this happening? Why is that happening? It's, it's, you know, either you start here and go to the civil rights, Jim Crow, slavery, or if you start today, what's going on now, then start with slavery. It's to me, I, I don't think there's a a right way or a perfect way to do it. I think it's whatever the parent feel is what needs to be addressed, how they feel it may be, they may be comfortable or how they feel the child may uh, receive it. Long as the conversation is being discussed and the teaching is going on, that's really this odd and matters. And I tell parents also, if there are situations uh, that you don't feel comfortable discussing or you feel that you're not educated enough to talk about, then find somebody that is. Right. That's a good point. And it's an ongoing conversation. Like you said, we can start with what's happening today, but then you may have to talk about it again next week or next month or whenever something else happens. So this is a conversation that's not just like, the talking is over. The, right. the talk continues. So I think it's a good point to start with what's happening today, relevant to their lives, and then bring that history into it um, as you go. Now, is the conversation about race different for white parents than it is for black parents? And then if so, what should the conversation sounds like? Like maybe you could pretend I'm the child. <laughs> like, what should it be different? Um, I think it will be different because, um, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be different. And I think it's going to be probably going to be more difficult for the white parent because the white parent is going to have to explain why, mm -hmm. why did, you know, we talk about our ancestors of going through slavery but imagine white people talking about their ancestors that were slave owners mm -hmm. you know and treated white people i mean treated black people bad and honestly i had this conversation with a parent because um her child had a situation where uh 
somebody grabbed him and it was somebody that was black that grabbed him and he was young so she felt like he needed to come to therapy to kind of talk about the trauma or whatever like that just so he doesn't have a trigger that you know to be scared of black people and i i felt i i create i appreciate her honesty and so we will have the sessions and both of us will be in the mom and the young boy and some of the questions that he would ask i'd be like mom i think you're the better person to <laughs> <laughs> than me like well why don't uh black people and white people like each other or why do white people be mean to black people? And I'd be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mom, why? You know, that's what I said in my mind. Mm-hmm. And you know, and she she it she had to open up and explain about different times, you know, and what's going mm-hmm. on now. And you know, and she purposely picked a black therapist to help her to have that type of conversation which i very appreciate her doing but it was it was a hard conversation for her and i know it was probably hard for her because i had to sit there and like yeah mom why (laughs) so but it's a hard conversation because you know kids ask the why questions and sometimes the why questions we don't we don't have the answers but we that goes back to us educating ourselves uh, about the situation, about things that's going on, the things that's happened in the past, learn the correct information so that we can help our children uh, to deal with it and hopefully deal with it better than we are dealing with it. Right, right. So um, there is this uh, post that happened that went viral. Um, by Georgina Dukes, and it was called "When My Beautiful Black Boy Becomes a Threat." Oh, goes grows from cute to a threat is the actual title. When my be- beautiful black boy grows from cute to a threat, and she actually made a call to action because um, we were talking last week, uh, Georgina and I, on a podcast, and she said that it came to her: What are these moms of white children doing? Like are you teaching your child not to be a racist because your child is a threat to my child because you see my child as a threat. And she actually wrote to the non-black mom, can you raise your child not to fear my son's black skin? Can you become an advocate and stand with mothers of black sons to fight for justice? We need you as allies. We need you to pull up and be an activist when we are too. We show up for you being feminist and advocating women's rights. Now is the time that I need you to show up for us. Every last one of those men that killed an unarmed black boy was raised by a mother. I wish that mother had the opportunity to read this post when her child was young. I need you to go beyond sharing posts on social media. We need your votes. We need your voices. We need your help to ensure that our black boys live the lives they deserve. They will no longer be seen as less than human beings if you stand with us. I strongly encourage you to think about how you can support your fellow black moms before time runs out and our beautiful black boys grow from being cute to a threat. And that's just part of that article. And it's very powerful. So 
there is a responsibility there for white parents to teach their children not to be racist. So it's no longer acceptable just to be not racist. You have to teach your child to be anti-racist. And it's a big difference. Either you're working for equality or you're just sitting back and, and enjoying the privilege that comes from non-equality. So which one is it going to be? You know, great. You have all, all enjoyed that privilege for over um, 400 years almost. So now is the time. If you really believe that you're not racist, then you should be actively participating to make sure that racism does not happen again anywhere at any time. So that's that thing. That's really important as well. Um, what about white parents? Because we get a uh, we have a good audience of white parents that are raising black children, and they come to the magazine because they need help. You know, so just like any other parent, they need help and they need to know what they should be doing. Should that conversation look different? Um, it's going to look different because it's going because it's a white parent. Uh, speaking about race to their black children. Um, I think for that parent that they need to have some form of support from black people uh, because it, it may be something foreign to them. It may be something that they don't identify with. And there may be a, a joint conversation, not saying, okay, well, uh, your auntie Lisa is going to talk to you uh, about race. It should be me and your Auntie Lisa. And Auntie Lisa is the Black friend. And we're going to have a conversation with you about race. So I think I think that's a great idea just to have that support system. But the conversation is going to be, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be different. But again, it has to be done, especially with interracial uh, families. Right. And maybe you might want to have a pre-meeting with Auntie Lisa because um, you may not understand racism because you have not really had to experience it. And I've heard and seen a lot of posts about um, white people who think they've experienced racism where they don't they don't understand that it comes with this oppression. And so let's go. That goes into my next question. Let's talk about what exactly is racism. So can you kind of explain it in your own words? What is the definition of racism? Because I think we need to be clear um, because of situations like that where white people are like, I'm, you're racist to a black person or they'll say, um, you know, I've experienced racism. Um, so let's can we talk about that a bit? Yeah. Um, to me, when I think of the word racism, I just think of being discriminated just because of the color of my skin. Um, being overlooked because of the color of my skin, just anything that's negative only because I'm a different race than you. And I know a lot of people feel that um, only white people can be racist, but anybody can be racist. And we, we, we need to accept that is anytime that you judge somebody of the other for a different color, that's opposite of you, the different color than what you have is racism. And it's not fair because we're being prejudged. Okay, well, I'm going to disagree a little bit with you <laughs> because um, racism 
the, what makes racism different from bigotry and prejudice is that it comes with oppression and you have to have power to be able to oppress someone. It's almost like when um, sexual harassment happens at work, if your boss sexually harasses you, it's different than if a um, equal sexually harassed you. The, the penalties are harsher. The mental effect is harsher because this person has power over your job, right? So racism is similar to that type of oppression where they have power. A minority group does not have power. So the systemic racism that, that has developed has become, become because of that power. It, it, that's why it, we have it. Um, so racism has traditionally been known to, to be um, it's prejudice with a big dose of oppression. And I always say that racists are basically the epitomes of bullies with a big dose of oppression. So um, otherwise, yeah, I, black people can be prejudiced, they can be bigoted, bigoted, but we don't have that power to oppress a white person because they are the majority. Now that might change in the future. Maybe that, you know, they're talking about the browning of America where all brown people together are making up the majority, whether you're South Asian, Mexican, Haitian, all together in the United States, we were starting to grow statistically where the white people were going to be the minority in 2025 to 2050 between that time period, which is one of the reasons we're having this big uprising with uh, right and, um, you know, alt right and white supremacists. So, because they, that's the one thing they keep yelling is that um, we don't want to be a minority. We're not going to be a minority. So, they're going, they want to have this race war they keep talking about too. This is something that you'll see on the alt right a lot of conversations about because they want to get rid of black people. So they're not the minority, no matter what they have to do, whether it's immigration laws, get people in office to keep uh, round people out, they're working toward it. So that oh, that's oppression, right? So racism comes with oppression. Um, so I just disagree there because no, not everyone can be racist. Everyone can be prejudiced. Everyone can be bigoted, but racism comes with that oppression that keeps people back and can keep people down. Okay. Um, how does a child know when they're being treated differently because of racism? Because they're so young, they haven't experienced it. They'll know they've been treated differently, but is it up to the parent to point out the racism that's involved or will they just know that it's because of the color of their skin, especially if they hear like the N word, how do they know that at such a young age, especially I'm thinking like on a playground uh, preschoolers, for instance. Well, I think um, if it's not stated, um, I don't like you because of the color of your skin or a racial slur. Um, I don't think that they know. They just may realize that they're being treated differently. And if they go home and they tell the parent and the parent asks questions about the behavior, well, what do they say? How do they treat you? Then the parent, because they've been in this, because they been in this world longer, they probably have more insight that, okay, this is the reason why this child is not playing with my child more than the child is just thinking, oh, they just don't like me anymore. Okay. Okay. So um, what should a parent or the child even do if they have an incident where they think they've been treated differently due to racism? They should definitely tell an adult they trust, whether it's their parent, whether it's uh, an uncle, a guidance counselor, uh, a teacher. And I say an adult that they trust because sometimes that teacher may not be it. 
uh, sometimes that parent may be it. So that's why it's very important that, you know, children have a plethora of adults in their lives that they can go to, that they can have some type of friendship, uh, not friendship, uh, a form of bond with them that they feel safe, uh, that they can go and talk to about any and everything. Right, right. Well, I, I remember when my oldest daughter was a senior in high school, she had an incident uh, where a white guidance counselor told her, um, now I got to give you some history here because my daughter, my oldest daughter is one of the smartest people I know. She has a photographic memory. She never had to study and got straight A's. That's her. That's how she is. She's interested in science and uh you know, medicine, and she just is brilliant. She's been that way. I noticed it right away, but by the time she was three, it was obvious. Um, so her guidance counselor said to her senior year of high school, as she was asking about scholarships to help pay for college, and mind you, we were living in Florida at the time, so there are a lot of residential scholarships and things like that that help with college. She told her, well, you know, college isn't for everybody. Maybe you should think of something else, you know, and I couldn't understand why you would tell this brilliant young woman who wants to go into medicine, you know, straight A student that she couldn't, she shouldn't be going to college. What was your justification for this? An honor student. So she couldn't, she, she, of course she didn't say, but you knew that she must have some alternative reason that she would not say. And so I had a problem with that. And, you know, that was right before I became a news reporter. <laughs> so I just I, I didn't I didn't know I was going to be a news reporter. So I wrote an article and sent it to the paper about how this happens a lot to black students. And historically, it has where black students have been told to go into trade jobs, which isn't a bad thing, especially yeah. now because yeah. of student loan debt. OK, so I'm all for trade jobs. But when you single out an honor student who's coming to you for help to see what scholarships are available, and the first thing you say when you're in a majority white school, first thing you say to the black student is that maybe you shouldn't go to college. Honor student, you know, because she asked you about scholarships. You're not going to get scholarships to white kids. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Did you say that to them too? So that was one example. Have you? Um, uh, known anyone or you've had any incidents of racism even with yourself and, and how did you manage it? Um, you know what I, I, I have thought back into my life and just wonder have I ever uh, encountered racism I probably not as a kid probably more so as an adult uh, after I graduated from college and just entering into the workforce mm -hmm. um since some subliminal uh, racism, it wasn't just straight up in my face. Uh, but luckily, I was able uh, to handle myself that either um, either stuck with it, made it work for me, or I just like, you know what, I don't have to deal with this. I'll just go somewhere else. Okay, yeah. I, yeah. I, understand I know that, that everybody doesn't have that luxury to, to get up and leave and go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to tell you, um, I've experienced it, you know, a few times. Uh, but I think the one that got me the most as an adult was I have, well, I have an MBA and um, I know a lot about business. And so 
I saw this opening, this job opening, and I thought I'd be perfect for it because I was already working with Chamber of Commerce and bringing business into the city. And so this was a, a little county outside of where I lived. And I said, oh, I'm apply for this job as the president of the Chamber of Commerce because I have all the qualifications on their list, you know? So I sent in my resume and they were ecstatic called me immediately. Unfortunately, I couldn't meet with them right away because I went away to a business conference. So I spoke to the lady maybe three times a day while I was away. She couldn't wait to meet me. She wanted me to meet the current president who was going out and the board. I told her I was at a business conference. She thought that was fabulous. I kept, she kept calling me back and saying, okay, um, we got this date. Uh, can, can you send in some of your writings? Because we would love for you to come speak, you know, even though, you know, we're interviewing you. Just loved me. So I was like, oh God, this is my first opportunity to increase my salary from, from five figures to six figures, right? Wow. And so I'm like, this is great. I have three kids. I need this job. This would be awesome for changing our lives. So I get there. I'm the only one there besides the secretary. I tell her that I'm here. I'm dressed very professional in my blue skirt suit. I have my little nice luxury briefcase, like tight bag. I have my resume, my hair professionally done in a bun, which I don't like to wear, but I had it in a bun. On um, my glasses, I was ready, right? I'm ready. I'm looking like I'm, I'm, I'm dressing for the job, right? Right. So... I'm sitting there, I'm looking around. I hear the woman come out the back, like all excited, but she can't see me yet. She has to go around the corner. And she goes, oh, she's here, oh, great. Um, and then she comes out, I see her, see her come out and she looks all around the room. I might as well have been invisible. See, I don't, I don't sound black, Southern black, especially because that's what's in the South. Southern, I have a little twang, but I don't sound black, right? Like most black people in the South. So she looks around and she goes back in and says, I didn't see her, where is she? I heard her say this. I don't see her. Where is she? I'm like, oh, this ain't going to go well at all. <laughs> I'm sitting there like, this is over. And had I been the person I am now, I'd have played the game a little bit with them. So she had no choice but to bring me back to the back because she had already told the president about me. And you could hear the crickets like when she came back out, like, hi, how you, Janice? And it, her whole attitude, posture, everything had changed. The only thing that changed was I showed up. So she took me to the back. They didn't even know what questions to ask me. It was like, why are we even bothering you? This is going to waste our time. They were like, that this was the tension in the room. It's like, instead of asking me questions, it's like, I'll sigh. And I'm looking around and her looking down. And I'm like, are you got to be freaking kidding me? So I'm like, so now the person I am now, I'd have been like, so let me ask my own questions, <laughs> you know? And let me just say that I know what's going on here and I don't like it and it shouldn't be. I would have went off right now. Like if it had been me now, instead of me trying to be nice to everybody back then, because now I don't really care about being nice. So <laughs> I just don't. I'm older and whatever comes out, comes out. Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's, that's who I am. That's Janice today. So I left thinking I just was discriminated against because of racism. And so I hope still that somehow I would get this job because I was very pleasant and I answered the two questions they probably asked me, you know? 
So uh, the only thing I did wrong was show up in brown skin. Oh, wow. Still today crushes me because I never broke that barrier to make six figures at that time. Like it took, you know, it, it just never broke it. So, and I wanted to raise my children, had give them a good life. So I'm not sure what their reasons for were for not wanting to hire a brown person besides racism. Like, did, was this a town that had the KKK in charge in politics? I have no idea what would prevent them from having a person to head the Chamber of Commerce that was brown. I just don't understand it. But I do know it. I still think about it to this day. And this was many years ago. So that's oppression. So what happened was I couldn't make that income to take care of my children. But had I been white, I'd have been in. Yeah, you would have been in. I have no doubt that I would have been in. No doubt in my head at all. I'd have been set for life and I would have broken that glass ceiling of a six-figure salary that I always wanted. So anyway, that's my story as an adult experiencing. I've had it other times, but that was the worst one that really oppressed me and my family for as having a quality of life that I was hoping for. Let me ask you, any last words about this topic? Um, it's a conversation uh, that needs to be had. Uh, it needs to be an open-minded conversation. Um, there are going to be times where people, it's okay to uh, to disagree, but it's important to hear the other person's point of view, just like with the, uh, like with racism, you know, when you stated that you didn't, didn't you didn't agree and you stated uh, your reasons and your definition, which I totally agree with uh, your defi definition also, but we just have to have these conversations and just be open-minded and not be scared to have them. I agree. I agree. Now tell people where they can find you. Well, they can find me uh, on Instagram at consult Brandy J. Flynn. Uh, I am on Facebook, uh, Brandy J. Flynn Counseling Consulting Services. And my website is www.brandyjflynnccs.com. All right, Brandy, I want to thank you for coming on Back Talk today, especially it's the 4th of July. Um, <laughs> guys, uh, we just posted a wonderful um, article on our website. Uh, you can see it on our social media. And it is the descendants, the young children that are had uh, as a great, 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 some of them great grandfather, Frederick Douglass. Uh-oh, we lost Brandy. And um, Frederick Douglass, as you know, wrote the what is the 4th of July to a slave? Well, his descendants not only are reading it, but giving their perspective on it. And these young adults are pretty amazing. They're pretty amazing. So anyway, I want you to go there and check out that article. It's on our website. It's called The Descendants. All you have to do is go to our website. If you don't see it and search in the search box, Descendants, Frederick Douglass, Douglass with two S's. Remember that. And um, you'll find it. And I just want to thank you all for listening. And if you missed part of the show, no worries. You can just wait a few minutes and click the replay of this podcast, share it with anyone who needs to hear it and let's get the word out. And if you guys on the audio broadcast, the podcast, if you hear any heavy breathing, it's not me. Our mascot, Gigi, for some reason is really needy today. She is on my lap here. Um, she's sitting here very quiet, but she is breathing really heavily. Something's freaked her out at the beginning of the broadcast. So she came to sit on my lap. But anyway, still share our, our podcast with anyone who needs to hear it. We want people to know about us. Now, we will be broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m., 11 a.m. Pacific time. 
through the summer and next fall, we'll be going through this fall, I'm sorry, next Saturday is our special guest, Karen Ricks, and we will be discussing world schooling, homeschooling, unschooling, international education, multilingual education, whatever you want to call it, but basically world schooling your child in other countries. And we have an article coming out on Monday about that, two women who are actually educating their children outside of the United States who are American citizens. So you might want to figure that out, especially if the times don't change soon to be more um, uh, accepting to Black people. This is something that you can read and see how they did it. Go to our Facebook page at Black Parenting One. Black Parenting One, I'll put up on the screen for those who are watching and sign up for our notifi notifications so you don't miss when we go live again. Um, Twitter and Facebook are Black Parenting One. Instagram is different. It is Successful Black Parenting. That's our Instagram handle. And our website, of course, is SuccessfulBlackParenting.com. And it's full of great content to help you to thrive and not just survive as a parent. So um, be sure to rate our podcast. And we have, there you go. <laughs> We're glad to have you back at the end, but I'm glad you're back. That's okay to hang out after. We'll have a little chat, but uh, rate our podcast. And until next time, take care of yourself and stay safe. Thanks for tuning in to Back Talk by Successful Black Parenting Magazine. We'll see you soon.